0: Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutadeshi Shimati Bhakti Vidanga Swaminiti Namane Namaste Sarasatte Deve, Godavari Pacharani Nivishesha Shunyavari Paschacha De Sitarani Omaganam Timberam Dasya Gananjana Shilakaya Chaksurud Miritam Janam Tasmai Sri Gilve Namaha I want to talk uh, uh, this, uh, how long do we have, by the way, before, doesn't all matter, there's <laughs> so not an RT or something no, yes, uh, touch, but we can go past the RT if necessary, so okay, all right, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I talk about Srimad Bhagavatam, the book, We have, actually we have Bhagavatam in three forms. The person Bhagavata, Śrīla Prabhupāda, the book Bhagavatam, and now we are busy with the temple Bhagavatam. Because this temple in Mayapur, uh, the temple of the Vedic planetarium, is the Bhagavatam in the form of a building. It's really what that's really what it's about Prabhupada calls it the temple of the vedic planetarium but <clears throat> what it shows is you know hanging from the central dome is a model of the universe and beyond as described in Srimad Bhagavatam and uh, that that uh, temple is a very special temple you should understand that um, <coughs> uh, the idea for having a central temple like this, like the one Prabhupada comes from Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur because Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thacker's Godiyamati had a very um, how should you say uh, <coughs> uh, spiritual structure. I discovered this uh, while, while re- doing research for the book I wrote that you may have seen, the position of Srila Prabhupada, founder Acharya Viskan. And I discovered how much Srila uh, Prabhupada followed Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. And we are always a little mystified in the beginning about the idea of this temple about the idea of Mayapur as our international world headquarters. We went to one of the first Mayapur pilgrimages. Uh, We're looking at the rice fields and and the cane fields, and the place where there's only irregular electricity, no telephones, and Prabhupada said, this is our world headquarters. We're thinking, what? Why here? Why not Calcutta? At least, you know, at least a city and and people. Anyway, uh, but the reasons for those have been made clear. Uh, And then the other thing you'll see, as soon as Prabhupada was able to get land in Mayapur, he wanted to purchase this land in Mayapur uh, very quickly. Uh, he was uh, his efforts were blocked. I think some of his god brothers didn't want want him to do that, so they blocked his efforts. So he finally got to land, and his plan immediately was to uh, s- say uh, establish the uh, foundation stone uh, for the temple, uh, install the mm-hmm. nanda Shesha as the foundation of the temple that means that the construction had begun he planned to do it in 71 there was a, some delay so 72 he he did the ceremony uh, and put down the foundation for this temple the cornerstone you might say but it's under deep underground like really quite deep and uh, and there, there was a sign at that time in Mayapur said, International Headquarters of the International Society for, <coughs> Society for Krishna Consciousness. And that was his plan. Well, it turned out that uh, in the, the Gaudiya Mata Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, there was one, the temple at Mayapur, that they had, called the, the, the uh, Sri Chaitanya Mat, was always listed in their publications as the parent temple. This Sri Chaitanya Mat temple, which was the place where Bhakti Bhaktisiddhanta began his institution, actually. He started it in Mayapur on that, that property and established that temple the same day he took sannyas after completing his vow of chanting a billion names or something like that I forget the number now he chanted for 10 years practically doing japa just on that spot and uh, and then, then uh, as soon as he, t- he took sannyas he also established this the, the temple of... Uh, Radhagiri Dari, I think that's the name of the Deities there, uh, and, and that temple was always the parent temple. And it became an issue when he uh, started building, uh, When he in 1930, they had the uh, Sri Godiya Mat in Calcutta. It was a brand new big marble temple, which was going to be their headquarters for world preaching. And 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 there were people who wanted to make that the main temple, and so there were articles in the Harmonist explaining why the Mayapur temple was the central temple. And they said it's the central temple because uh, because it's in Mayapur, and not and, and Mayapur is important not just because it's where Lord Chaitanya happened to appear. Mayapur is itself the descended spiritual world. It is the Sweta Deep in, in, in transcendence that when Lord Chaitanya's pastimes are eternally going on and Lord Chaitanya descended with all his associates and manifested this, this place where Lord Caitanya's pastimes are happening. Just as when Krishna descended, he brought with him all of Vrindavan was descended. So the same way and so that's why mayapur was special and in that article in the harmonist that's where they say that 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 uh, the 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 bhakti Siddhanta, the founder the founder acharya is actually eternally situated there with mahaprabhu so this was the, the theology uh, that uh, their understanding. So Prabhupada similarly wanted, because he considered his own mission a continuation of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati's. Right? And so his the temple that he is placing there is modeled after the temple that Bhakti Siddhanta had. you know that temple, you know what it teaches. It's a teaching temple, right? Have you been there? Anybody been there? Huh? Yeah. It's a f- uh, temple of four sampradayas, as well. Yes, you go around the main dome, and there's one of the four founder acharyas. Each one is there with his little altar on the side, and, and you you see you see and the next inside you see Brahma is there because that was the start of that, and then the, the four founder acharyas for the, the Kali Yuga. And what it's teaching is that each of them presented a philosophy that defeated Mayavad, and their philosophies are uh, unified and and, uh, lifted up in the Chinsha Beta Beta Tattva of Mahaprabhu. They are all, all coming to prepare for Mahaprabhu. This is in the Navadita Mahatmya Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And so, that this is teaching that Achincha Beda Beda Tattva is the fulfillment of the work of all the Vaishnava, the four Vaishnava founder Acharyas for Kali Yuga. They're preparing the way. This temple that Prabhupada is building is also about Achincha Beda Beda Tattva in a different way because it's showing the Bhāgavatam picture of the universe. And in the Bhāgavatam picture of the universe, which Lord Chaitanya uh, this, you know, that's his, 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 uh, how should I say, his doctrine of jijnasa-bheda-bheda-tatva uh, beda tattva is the summary of what the Bhāgavatam is teaching. That nothing is different from Krishna. Yet Krishna is different from everything. This is one way Prabhupada puts it. It's like a... Memorize it and say it to yourself. Like a, like the Zen Buddhists, you know, what is the sound of one hand clapping or something? You know, ours is, nothing is different from Krishna. Yet Krishna is different from everything. In other words, Krishna includes all his energies. There's nothing but Krishna. This Prabhupada says in another place, there's nothing but but Krishna, but nothing is Sri Krishna, save and except his own primordial personality. It's another way to say it. Two places Prabhupada says like that. The first one is in the last purport in the Srimad Bhagavatam. Nothing is different from Krishna, yet Krishna is different from everything. And the other one is uh, somewhere in Chaitanya Charitamrita. There is nothing but Krishna. So Krishna includes the world, and, but is beyond it at the same time. So the, the world is divine. We are not Mayavadis. Prabhupada oh, told me once. <laughs> he said, there's different kinds of spirit. Everything is spiritual, he told me. Because uh, I was confused. We were walking in Vrindavan. And he was began talking about, about how uh, the trees around us was just sunlight in another form. The trees take in the sunlight, grow wood, uh, 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 but but if you take that wood and you ignite it, the light comes, sunlight comes back out again, right? So wood is just fire in another form. Similarly, he says everything is sp- spirit. He's explaining this to us, and, and when I got a chance, I said, "Prabhupada, I'm very confused. I'm trying to understand the difference between matter and spirit." that I am spirit and I am not the body. So this is what I am trying to do, I'm trying to understand the difference between matter and spirit. And now you are saying everything is spirit. So I am confused. And his answer was, and it took me several years to understand it, his answer was, we are not bodies. <laughs> there are different kinds of spirit. So this is, and he has described Krishna consciousness as the process of the re-spiritualization of matter. You remove ignorance, and you see everything is actually spirit. Use it in Krishna's service, get rid of the veil of sense gratification, and you'll see it that way. So that's what this temple of the Vedic Planetarium is teaching. Is teaching that. Veda Veda In a different way than Bhakti Siddhanta. Bhakti teaching is sort of historical, whereas Prabhupada is is cosmological, you might say, you know, including everything. That's why that temple is there. And like Bhakti Siddhanta, there was a central temple that and you notice that temple shows the universe and it sh- you can go up the universe to the spiritual world right so i think of that temple as a portal a passageway you go in but you know right here this temple is one of those entrances to that passageway because this is also an expansion the word that they said in the Mat, you know all the other temples are expansions of the uh, the, the Shri Chaitanya Math in Mayapur. There is extensions. They called the Calcutta Temple its extension in the modern urban environment. You have to understand, in Mayapur, it was really hard to get to Mayapur in those days, you know. It was very, very, the back of beyond. I mean, really, really deep countryside where Calcutta was a modern city. You know, that had been the British headquarters for so many years, until 1914. It was the headquarters of the... You know, it was the part of the modern world. But still, it wasn't more important. The real important temple was Mayapur. And that temple and all the other temples in the Godiamat were its extensions or its expansions. And it compared it in, in an article in the Harmonist, it compared... These temples, like they said, just as one lamp lights another. And that, that, that example, that's from the Brahma Samhita, describing the expansions of Krishna. Krishna has many expansions, but they're all as potent as the original. So this means the, the, the spiritual structure of ISKCON, that temple is very important. And, 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 and this temple and every other temple of Iskand is a gateway to that temple. Symbolically, you know, you go to Mayapur and then you go up. That's, that's, that's what that temple is for. When, when, when you have a temple, temples are supposed to have a chakra at the top, right? so that temple is the chakra of iskon when it's finished it will be the completion of the of the whole thing So that's why it's really important and that temple is Sriman bhagavatam in a book a book form and now a building form and What's the importance of Bhagavatam? Here it is. Bhagavatam says, This is 1343. Krishne uh, swa dharmo pogate dharma gyanadi bihisaha kalo bunashta disham esha puranarko dunoditaha. This Bhagavatam is as brilliant as the sun, and it has arisen. Uh, just after the departure of lord krishna to his own abode accompanied by religion knowledge and so on persons who have lost their vision due to the dense darkness of ignorance in this age of kali shall get light from this purana so krishna has gone down like the like the moon going down the sun has come up that sun is bhagavata people will get light. And therefore, Prabhupada then, uh, well, Bhagavatam then says, uh, this is Sutta Goswami speaking to the sages at Dhamisharanya Forest. He then says, O learned Brahmanas, when Shukadeva Goswami recited Bhagavatam there, that is when, when uh, he, uh, he was reciting Bhagavatam, the first public recital to Maharaj Pariksit. I heard him, this is Sutta, who then later tells the, the sages, I heard him with rapt attention, and thus by his mercy, I learned the Bhagavatam from that great and powerful sage. Now I shall shall try to make you hear the very same thing as I learned it from him and as I have realized it." And here we have a really wonderful purport from Srila Prabhupada. Prabhupada says, so he he uses this word yataditam yatamati as you shall hear it, as I have realized it. Uh, And he heard it, Nivishta, being very attentive, with great attention. Prabhupada says, in this purport, begins, one can certainly see directly the presence of Lord Krishna in the pages of Bhagavatam if one has heard it from a self-realized great soul like shukadeva Goswami. So, it, here he says, see directly the presence of Krishna in the pages of Bhagavatam. That's what it means to have realized knowledge. The word realization means you have experience. Uh, And when we say you actually chant the Hare Krishna mantra with full realization, you see Krishna directly because Krishna and Krishna's name are the same. Similarly, Bhagavatam is just a big description of Krishna in all his different aspects. It's like a big name of Krishna. The same is there. It's just Krishna and Krishna's name is the same. So Bhagavatam is the same. And then he goes on to say that uh, you have to hear, learn Bhagavatam from the right person. And he talks about the, the professional reciters of Bhagavatam. Uh, I've heard them do this. They're very good. They're like actors. They can you know, cry real tears on, on cue. But they're just actors. They're just good at it. And Prabhupada said, uh, he calls them bogus hired reciters. In other words, you had to pay them to hear Bhagavatam. They're, 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 they're uh, earning money. There's admission fee. Bogus hired reciter whose aim of life is to earn some money out of such recitation and employ the earnings in sex indulgence. These are not people who are following the Regulative principles. No one can learn Srimad Bhagavatam who is associated with persons engaged in sex life. That is the secret of learning Bhagavatam. Now notice he uses this word secret. It keeps peering in this purport. The secret. There's a secret. Nor can one learn Bhagavatam from one who interprets the text by his mundane scholarship. Now there's a lot of that around. There are scholars of Hinduism. They know Sanskrit better than we do, most of them. Uh, They've studied all different texts. They've got uh, degrees from uh, universities. And they study Bhagavatam. And they can appreciate his poetry. But when they stand in front of a class of students and they say Bhagavatam the to them, nothing happens. It's not there. Uh, so these kind of two people, the kind of the people who do it, uh, like the Bhagavat saptaha, uh, or the, the scholars at the universities. Uh, One has to, he says, one has to learn Bhagavatam from the representative of Shukadeva Goswami and no one else. Uh, Discipline succession. If one wants it all to see Lord Krishna in the pages, second mention of seeing Krishna directly. That is the process and there is no alternative. Sutta Goswami is a bona fide representative of Shukadeva Goswami because he wanted to present the message which he received from the great learned Brahmana. Shukadeva Goswami presented Bhagavatam as he had heard it from his great father, Vyas. So also Sutta Goswami is presenting Bhagavatam as he'd heard it from Shukadeva. So here Prabhupada is talking about this chain of modified hearers and speakers. Then he says, Simple hearing is not all. One must realize the text with proper attention. Now realised is the English word that Prabhupada uses to talk about to, to translate the Sanskrit word vijana. This is Experience knowledge, vijnana. realized knowledge, means you have direct experience. Uh, the word science also is vijjana, in the sense that you have some experience, you know, this is like... Or jnana, or Prabhupada, sometimes jnana is book knowledge, and then uh, vijnana is experience knowledge. You may read the book, but then you have to see it for yourself these two are there uh, so here he's using this term realized one must realize the text and then he says with proper attention so the idea is that one really has to pay attention uh, uh, here he says the word Navishta in the text he drank it down like a thirsty person, right? Uh, meant, means that Sutta Goswami drank the juice of Bhagavatam through his ears. That is the real process of receiving Bhagavatam. One should hear with rapt attention from the real person. So now he says the two things: they have to have the real person, and one we have to hear with great attention. And then he can at once realize the presence of Lord Krishna in every page. Third time he's mentioned this, see Krishna directly, huh? The secret of knowing Bhagavatam is mentioned here. Again, he uses the word secret. And then he says, no one can give rapt attention who is not pure in mind. So now he's going to, how do you get this kind of focus, attention? The mind has to be pure. Uh, No one can be pure in mind who is not pure in action. No one can be pure in action who is not pure in eating, sleeping, fearing, and mating. In other words, even the most basic biological activities of life, Uh, they have to be done in a pure way. But somehow or other, if one hears with rapt attention from the right person, at the very beginning one can assuredly see Lord Krishna in the pages of Bhagavatam. Now this is First Canto, Third Chapter. This means Prabhupada wrote this in India before he came to the West with these books, looking for an audience. So why did he form Iskar to create the hearers? He's going to—he's got Bhagavatam here narrated for people, but they now how are they going to hear it? How oh, they had to be trained to be pure in eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. Otherwise, there was no audience. It wouldn't happen. See, it's potent. You have to have a qualified speaker and qualified hearers. Say, sometimes we have language like that. There is Let's say there's a a judge in a courtroom, and before the judge is a person, and that person has been found guilty of a crime by due process of law, a jury or whatever the system is, but by due process of law, this person is found guilty of a crime, and the other person, who's talking to him, this is the authorized judge, the duly appointed or elected, however you do it, this is the judge. The judge says to the person in front of him, I sentence you to ten years in jail. That's potent. He just says that and that's where he goes, ten years in jail. If I, if, if I walk to somebody in the street and say, I sentence you to 10 years in jail, what happens? No potency, right? So there's sometimes the word to use that way, where the, where the potency is there.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, a, 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 a couple comes before a certain person who's authorized by the state, and he says, I now... Um, now you're married, your man and wife, whatever you know. You're married when, you, when those words are spoken. You're qualified. You got the marriage license. You go in front of the priest or whatever you know. It's done. So similarly, Bhagavatam has to be, you know, the, the right speaker and and, and, and the uh, the right hearer. Then people will begin to understand. Then we can understand. See how you understand Bhagavatam. You're not going to understand it by any method according to the directions. Prabhupada said, remember, you have to take the medicine by the directions on the model. These are the directions on the model. How to understand Srimad Bhagavatam. There are other people, oh yeah, we're going to look at all the Puranic literature and try to understand ancient cosmology according to what the Babylonians said, and what the, you know, whatever. They have different ways of looking at it. These are the directions uh, on the bottle of Bhagavatam. And Prabhupada, for Prabhupada, it is so important that he... He takes the, for us what's maybe the most difficult part of the Bhagavatam—the cosmology, the planetarium. This is the this, but that's a form of Krishna. This is all the universal form of the Lord. In, in the second and third canto, there are five descriptions of the universal form. Five of them all from a different angle of the five descriptions. One of them is cosmic embryology, because the universal form is born like a, comes to birth like a child in the womb. And then the fifth canto, there's a, most of the fifth canto is also about the universal form, because it says in the beginning and at the end, this is the description of the universal form of the Lord. And it's not the universe that we see, most of us, (laughs) right? And people are trying, what are we going to do about this, you know? Is it mythology or, you know, we now know better? Well, how to see it? This, well, here's the Bhagavatam. This is how you understand the Bhagavatam. So, here I'm going to read to you a text from Bhagavatam, 4.29.69. Sadvaika nishte manasi bhagavat Parshva vartani tamas chandram si vedam uparajya vapasate. Avabhasate, uh, Prabhupada says, translation, Krishna consciousness means constantly associating with the Supreme Personality of Godhead in such a mental state that the devotee can observe the cosmic manifestation exactly as the Supreme Personality of Godhead does. So the Bhagavatam is telling us this is the way it looks from Krishna's point of view. <laughs> uh, and if we are sattva eka nishta, fixed in pure sattva, with the mind, manasi, and parshva vartani uh, Bhagavad parshva varshani with, with standing close by the side of Krishna, then you can see it this idam, this cosmic manifestation, uh, in the way that Krishna does. Uh, and the example is given, which we don't. Uh, which just as Rahu occasionally approaches the moon. Rahu is not always visible. But when it comes close to the moon, the Rahu becomes visible. <laughs> but where? What is Rahu? You know, <laughs> is there an invisible planet, Rahu? We don't see that. Uh-huh. Uh. So, uh, you know, a, a, a very literal translation of this verse would be. To one with a mind single you know, singly fixed in sattva, abiding in close proximity to the Lord, this cosmos becomes revealed just as the invisible Rahu becomes visible when it aligns with the full moon. So that's that's a kind of a one way to literal translation. Uh, uh, so I was happy to find that verse. Actually, Sahodar Maharaj had noticed this earlier, but nobody had picked up on it. But this is this is the. Uh, but on on a on a bigger scale, uh, Prabhupada says things like, "Well, he he here in in the uh, uh, in the purport to." Bhagavad Gita 7 2. Prabhupada uh, quotes this verse uh, from the Mundaka Upanishad Yasmin Vijnate Sarvambidam Vijnatam Bhavati uh, When the cause of all causes becomes known, then everything knowable becomes known and nothing remains unknown. When the, in other words, our process should be go to Krishna, understand Krishna, and that will include understanding everything else. Modern science, leave Krishna out, go straight to it. right? You know what you see, well, it may be good for certain things, but for understanding what's really there. They don't know anything. When the ca- this is the Upanishad. This is, you know, if you follow the Vedas, you should believe this. When the cause of all causes becomes known, then everything noble becomes known and nothing remains unknown. So Prabhupada, talking about this, Yasmin Vijnate Vijnatam Bhavati, he says, uh... uh If you know Krishna, you know everything. You know science. You know mathematics. You know philosophy. You know geography. You know everything, everything. There is no dearth of knowledge, no lack of knowledge. Don't think that a Krishna conscious person, actually he can be a foolish man. No. That is given, guarantee in the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, then he quotes jam tamaha, nashayam yatma to, to those who are constantly devoted and who worship me with love uh, uh, I, did, I give them the knowledge by which they can come to me uh, Situated in their hearts I destroy the knowledge to show them special mercy, evanukam partham. Uh, I, I uh, uh, enlighten them with knowledge from men, Pena by the shining lamp of knowledge. That's what he says. Here, Prabhupada again says, this is in a lecture in 68, a devotee who is always in Krishna conscious, for him there is nothing unknown. He knows everything. Just like we can give information of the whole creation. Not only of this material world, of the spiritual world, clear conception, where is where, what is what, everything, that is Krishna consciousness. The more you make progress, then you fully Uh, I mean to say, become conversant with all departments of knowledge. Everything is completed. This was a lecture given in Los Angeles, December 16th, 1968. Oh yeah, it's out of the database. Here's another lecture. Uh, This is Bombay, April 13th, 1974. He says... So those who are actually advanced in Krishna consciousness, they can understand that everything is Krishna. Everything, that is really Brahman realization. And again, yasmin vijnate sarvam vidam vijnatam bhavati. That being, Brahman is defined, that one thing being known, everything else becomes known. This is the Upanishad. If you simply understand Krishna, then you understand what is Paramatma, what is Brahman, what is material cosmic manifestation. Everything you understand. And when you understand Krishna properly, then you see that everything is Krishna because everything is Krishna's energy. Uh, Here's another lecture. I mean, Prabhupada said this many times. This one's given in London, August 4th, 1971. Uh, And again, he quotes the same passage from the Upanishads. Every one of us is acquiring knowledge, he says. That is called experience, one after another. So Krishna says that if you understand this science, Savijanam, that's in the Bhagavad Gita, verse. Uh, There's a lecture on Bhagavad Gita 7, 1 through 3. From, i take it from there. Uh, uh, if you understand this science, Savvy then your knowledge will be complete. You'll have nothing to hanker after any fully knowledge. Knowledge is complete. That is also Vedic conjunction. Yasmin vijñatte sarvam vidam vijñattam bhavati. If you can understand the supreme knowledge the supreme then sarvam idam bhavati everything becomes known to you. Just like in arithmetic if you simply learn 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 then you learn all the arithmetical processes. Then once you learn the first ten digits, you can understand, you can go all the way. <laughs> it's a simple thing you learn. Because in the arithmetic there is nothing but one, two, three, four, five, six, that's all. You Whatever you see, big, big calculation, then it's one, two, three, four, five, six, that is all. Similarly, if you simply understand Krishna, then you'll see the whole arithmetic, whole world, whole universe is full of Krishna consciousness. That's all. Therefore, in the Bhagavad Gita, you'll see that bahu, bahunam janmanam Mante Gyanavam Mam prapadyate who in one is actually becomes wise, full of wisdom. Why? How? After many births of speculation and calculation, when he actually becomes wise, uh, so uh, then, like the like the expert mathematician who knows all of mathematics, so actually, when one is in knowledge, he then he can see Krishna everywhere. Uh, the, those who are in the lowest stage, they think that Krishna is here in the temple, not anywhere else. That is the lowest stage of understanding Krishna, but the highest stage of understanding Krishna. The Krishna conscious person sees everywhere Krishna, even within the atom. Uh, So, there are many places I've got a whole collection where Prabhupada says this again and again and again. Uh, uh, If you understand scientifically what is God, then you understand everything. Because God is everything, God is the central point of everything. These are the Vedic versions. Uh, So anyway, there's many places Prabhupada repeats this. If you look up this Yasmin Bhavati, you'll see this. So, I accept it. That's, that's, this is our process, uh, to understand everything, that, that we um, understand uh, a, a different kind of science. Now, Prabhupada says one has to be pure to see Krishna like this, and eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. So, but, but what this means is our regulative principles uh, which most of us may think of more as moral principles, uh, are actually principles of knowledge. For this kind of knowledge, Bhagavad you Gita, know, like, knowledge depends upon sattva. One is, at least in sattva-guna, then there's an ability to see things properly, to some degree. But Prabhupada remarks in Bhagavad Gita that today in modern civilization, our standard of advancement is Rajaguru. Our standard of advancement, what's the world about? Economic development. What's science about? Economic development. If you can't, if somebody can't make money from something, it's usually not funded. Uh, uh, it's all about economic development. Uh, if somebody doesn't have any reason to use it uh, for power and, uh, and, uh, uh, and uh, sense gratification, who's interested? The Prabhupada says, formerly the standard of advancement was the standard of the mode of goodness. But now it's the mode of passion. That's our standard of advancement. That's how we measure it. Uh, do you remember what the result of the mode of passion is, according to Bhagavad Gita? Suffering. Suffering, yeah. So what does that mean, what's the future? <laughs> it will result in suffering. That's what will happen. Usually when the mode of passion produces suffering, what do people do to uh, treat their misery? They go to the mode of ignorance, intoxication, oblivion, suicide, whatever. You know, that's their remedy. So, we're bringing another standard in for people. The standard of advancement is the stat- is mode of goodness. Who teaches that anymore? I mean, it, it used to be in European civilization, if you look at almost all the universities, everybody who was a university student was a monk. And therefore, supposed to be following at least some regular principles. Even they didn't even even eat mud meat in, in those days because that was for very rich people. They were mostly vegetarian. Maybe they ate birds and fish, but you know, those, those who really ate beef, you know, were only very rich people. So, you know, people were pure. And that was the standard of advancement for our universities, not anymore. So, Prabhupāda said, you know, he wanted, Bhagavatam is designed to create a revolution in a misdirected world civilization. This is in the beginning of the first canto, his introduction or preface, whatever it was. That's what it's for. It's a cultural presentation. To change the world civilization. And it is, people won't appreciate it. But I have, uh, this, but th- anyway, this is, this is what uh, Prabhupada is saying. Uh, and I also firmly believe uh, uh, Krishna is there in the heart to give us guidance and direction. And as we begin to become pure, uh, our knowledge will develop, we will receive more and more guidance from Krishna, and and we'll be able to guide the rest of the world. Prabhupada, you know, I was there standing next to him at an airport in New York when the reporter said to Prabhupada, why have you come to the West? And he said, I've come to give you a brain. And he explained that the, the human society like, like, uh, like, like the human body has head, arms, belly, and legs, and he. Uh, so he said, "You, your society is headless." And then a little later on, when the reporters are writing down, it. <laughs> "What do <did> they mean? <laughs> Brain?" Uh, then, then he said. Then he said. Uh, actually, he said, "In your society, everyone is a shutra and there are a few Vaishas. That means in our historical experience, we haven't even seen real Kshatriyas, what to speak of real Brahmanas. So he's come to give a brain. And, and, And this is what we should assimilate. But, but really, that, and to get that brain and to gain direct perception of Krishna and then through Krishna to go see the whole universe is included in Krishna, that requires that we follow the process, that we uh, become pure, that we, we have the extremely powerful process of chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, and it's very simple, we have to cultivate the holy name while trying to give up offenses. It's simple to put, but hard to do. And the more of us that take it up seriously and just take the next step, the next step, because if we're serious about our spiritual advancement, and we should be serious, not only for our own sake, but for the world's sake, who's going to give guidance? This is what Prabhupada came from. This is what Bhakti Siddhanta wanted. This is what Bhakti Vinod Thakur wanted. This is why Lord Chaitanya appeared uh, uh, to to, to give this to the world. They're going to need it. And we should be ready to, to show the way. Anyway, that's why I'm into this. I'm into the... Temple of the Vedic Planetarium is—he's really forcing us to deal with it. Many people who are devotees of Krishna and they read the Bhagavatam, they like that Vrindavan leela of Krishna. That they accept is true. The West, yeah, we know, we need more modern stuff. In other words, they seem to think that the more, the really difficult thing to know what's in the spiritual world—that's all true. But they're completely wrong about the material world. Well, I mean, once you've made yourself the judge of what's true and what's false, and if the Bhagavatam is so wrong about what's right in front of our face, why do you think it's going to be right about anything else? That's even more difficult to know. You can't can't do that. Either you accept the whole thing or you reject it. But this picking and choosing, this part I like, this part I don't like. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, everybody, you know, so many people are doing it, but but uh, we shouldn't. And then, then uh, anyway, this is uh, uh, how we can actually uh, bring about what Prabhupada called the re-spiritualization of matter. Uh, that's what a sacrifice does. Read it. You know that verse in the Bhagavad Gita, Brahmarpanam, Brahmahabir, Brahmagna, Brahmanahutam. Yeah. The Prabhupada's purport to that. The Krishna consciousness is the process of converting uh, what seems to be matter into spirit. Because it originally is spirit. You have to see it that way. And I wouldn't be surprised. If in the course of doing that, there may be some byproducts, like something that people will recognize as technology or something like that. Uh, but uh, we'll see. Okay, any questions or comments? Yeah? Like in the uh, early days when Prabhupada was, during the moon landing days, Prabhupada said they like, didn't go to the moon and mm-hmm. there were many devotees actually leaving Prabhupada. It was not only Prabhupada, it, it was devotees who were yes. yeah, uh-huh. Uh So, similarly, how widespread is that nowadays that, you know, for example, that devotees have doubts in, uh, for example, cosmology like that, and therefore yeah. cannot really uh, get focused there? Yeah, uh, you, you know, many things in Krishna consciousness yes. Uh, I, once I realized I accepted Srila Prabhupada's authority, I just accepted it. There were things that I accepted are true, and I had no idea how they were true. So, my private term for these things, I put them in brackets. <laughs> you know, I just like, okay, somehow it's true. I don't know how it's true, but I accept it. And most of those things became cleared up in time. You know? Uh, but this one was very difficult. When the fifth camp came out, devotees got flipped out. You know, especially in America, because that was the big achievement of America. You know, was to watch, you know, sending men to the moon. You know, and we all saw it on television. <clears throat> it was a big event. Um, so many people actually treated it as a kind of spiritual experience. When they, they were showing the guys walking on the moon, young kids everywhere were taking LSD and watching it, because we are also space travelers. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> Probably, uh as far as I can see, he, he knew they didn't go to the moon, because we know what the moon looks like. How they didn't go to the moon, he gave three different kinds, three possible explanations. Uh, that, that's what he said. It wasn't, uh, one, one explanation was, uh, of course, that it was fake. It was a hoax, you know. He said that one time he saw a, a, a movie in which a, a giant monkey was climbing the skyscraper. I think in his household life, Prabhupada took his kids to the movies and they must have gone and seen King Kong. Remember that he's up on top and the airplanes are coming after him on the Empire State Building, the famous special effects. Hey, he mentioned that you, you can fake things. Uh, uh, the, the other thing he said was Uh, that they may have landed on Rahu or Ketu. Here's the idea, they went there, but these invisible planets, Rahu and Ketu, which only show up during eclipses of the sun or the moon, uh, they're the north and south lunar nodes according to modern astronomy, but they really say they're invisible planets, Uh, and they're demonic. Uh, then maybe they landed on Rahu or Ketu, which are, they're close to the moon. And the third, I think, he said, uh, they could have gone to the moon, but they did not enter the atmosphere. In other words, they, all, they remained earthbound because they were in a space suit and breathing earth air and eating food and they didn't enter into the atmosphere. That one does the least amount of uh, damage to your uh, conception. But anyway, he gave these three different reasons uh, why. But but he was convinced. I mean, just when all devotees were freaking out, Prabhupada was in Los Angeles. And uh, they brought some reporters to talk to Prabhupada. And Prabhupada uh, said they didn't go to the moon. He told these reporters, you know. Uh, And he said the reason they didn't go to the moon is because the moon is farther than the sun. And then he gave them an argument. You can read the transcript or listen to the tape. He gave them an argument that they couldn't refute. That the... uh, moon is further than the sun. That Sunday comes before Monday. (laughs) True, right? (laughs) And nobody said, you know, what does that have to do? Anyway, (laughs) that's what he said. So, anyway, some devotees are still Uh, you know they're trying to figure out uh, there's a lot to be I mean I I was given the assignment by the GBC to come up with the kind of chandelier Prabhupada described as chandeliers hanging from the central dome of the temple that would be you know the cosmology and uh, there were several choices, and they at really asked me to decide. And the one I chose was the one that most closely fits the description of the Bhagavatam. Uh, uh, and that's the one uh, we're using, uh, that's there. Uh, somebody had given an idea of somehow just showing the heavens the way you see them from the earth. Which is also Vedic. You know, I mean, yeah, no you, the astronomical schools, they, everybody can look at the observational. It's not bogus that this is what the sky looks like from, from the earth. But it wasn't really what the Bhagavatam was presented a whole lot more. And you're just going to kind of ignore that part. Uh, uh, so I just you know we'll we'll have the Bhagavatam as it is we're not going to hide from it we're going to put it on display and I thought Prabhupada to me me, it was my uh, conviction that Prabhupada took the most difficult part of the Bhagavatam for us anyway and and uh, made us deal with it for the reasons I've already talked about. Uh, Jayadwaita told me that Prabhupada was not really satisfied with his commentary. He tried to get pundits from various places in India to come and, uh, and talk to him about the the, 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 the fifth canto. <clears throat> and he was said none of them knew anything. It was not they didn't know anything more. So he just followed the previous acharyas as best he could. And that's why he said, I did the best I could, but he wasn't satisfied. So I think he left some work uh, to be done. And he wants us to deal with it. Uh, it's very important. The sachincha Beda Beda tattva. Uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's central. Uh, and uh, but so my conclusion was, uh, and this has been accepted, that we don't have to have all the answers right away. I remember Hardy Cage going crazy thinking he had to figure out the, you know, the whole thing on his own. It was his job. Uh, we, we are going to have a cosmological research institute affiliated with the, 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 the temple. And which will conduct research. I mean, one thing we need to do is go to the other Puranas, at least the, the Sattvic Puranas, and look at their descriptions. They all have cosmology as part of it. Uh, and and uh, those descriptions uh, differ in different ways. So we have to look at all of those, for example. Uh, there's also the Surya Siddhanta, Siddhanta Sharomani, this. Uh, 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 astronomical literature which is super accurate able to predict where the, everything is going to be in the sky for billions of years and everything like that very, very accurate uh, uh, there, but uh, I read in Elisa's uh, <coughs> translation of the Surya Siddhanta. I was looking at those stupid followers of Par- the Puranas, they think the earth is flat. Because, in this, they, you know, the serious enough, the Surya people think the earth is a globe. Uh, the Greeks even believed it was around. They even gave a dimension of the, the circumference of the earth, which is pretty much the same as we think it is now. So there's a lot going on there, you know, the, 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 all, the, all the astronomical literature, all the commentaries and all the different Puranas, you know, all that research has to be done. So I don't think we have to have all the, all the uh, we should publish journals, we should get people who are PhD students to study this stuff, and, and, uh, but mostly, uh, at least some of us should be following the process of knowledge and that probably gives us a Bhagavatam uh, to, to, to understand it and to, to, to see it uh, for ourselves. Uh, that's, that's the challenge. It's very important that in order to see everything related to Krishna one has to use everything in Krishna's service. The sense gratification is an act of theft, is stealing from Krishna. It belongs to Krishna, should be used in Krishna's service. Prabhupada described Ravana as the archetypical materialist. He wants to take Sita and enjoy her independently of Ramchandra. Take her from Ramchandra and enjoy her. <laughs> That's the materialist. Take wealth, take the goddess of fortune, it's ours. But, you know, did Ravana get Sita? He got maya-sita, right? He got maya-sita. And he was killed by Ramchandra, right? He got maya-sita. So that's what maya is when you have alienated everything from Krishna with the idea of being God yourself. So the materialists have a God project going. And you see the good job they've done so far, right? So much progress. So much advancement. Now we have to be saved from the advancement. That'll be the next advancement. They have faith. The problem, all the problems caused by technology can be solved by more technology. That's their faith. You can put your faith there. A lot of people do. We'll figure it out. And if, if this planet is ruined and uninhabitable... We got our rocket ships. We'll go find another one. After we trash this one, we'll find another one to trash. This is their, you know, science fiction is the mythology of the modern people. This is what they they believe. We'll simply, I've heard the word used, conquer space. Think of that. That's pretty big. <laughs> Conquer space. You know, anyway. And we'll use our technology to make humans more, you know, powerful, robot assisted. We'll stop the aging process, right? This. This is what's being done by demons, of course. But, oh, maybe that a bad word, huh? Maybe they're on the sides of the demons. Anyway, you can choose your side. <laughs> Devotee side or the demon side. But I, I, Where do you place your faith, huh? A, really, all processes of knowledge begin with faith. And so the question is, where do you place your faith? Now we have a theory about the placement of faith. The agency for the placement of faith is called buddhi, and therefore Krishna says, "The dami buddhi yogaṁ tami I give them the buddhi yoga, the intelligence by which they can come to me. But if they want to forget me, I give them that buddhi. <laughs> which do you want? choose. And it may become, you know, pretty polarized in the course of time. You may not be so much neutral ground that you, I believe, in both sides. eh? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anything else? Questions or comments? Yeah?
1: choose there too uh, that if uh, commentaries doesn't put doesn't coincide with you know what's there word for word in, in shastra and that shastra as the 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 text of is different that the commentaries are not absolute but right. only if they say exactly word-by-word word, the same
0: thing as... Who says this? I don't know. if I should name. <laughs> uh, names? But, uh, no, but yeah.
1: Read another This one person? And there are others?
0: I, I, I take... I, I, it's not necessarily that word-for-word, word, but, but but Prabhupada called his commentaries what? Per purport. You know what the meaning of purport is? Mm -hmm. This is the significance of what this statement is. That's his purport. Now, you can read previous Acharyas and they have different purports. uh, And they may differ from each other. Usually if the authorities disagree, except somehow they are all true. Uh, But but Srila Prabhupada well, you can see he's 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 the one that came and gave us Bhagavatam. Uh, and uh, and so uh, I'm not doubting Śrīla Prabhupāda's purports. I have confidence in him. Uh, I can understand that other people find other things in them, and that's also very good. I don't think that there's any big difference between Prabhupāda because he, you know, when he gave his commentary, he had Bhagavatam with the commentaries of the previous acharyas, and he looked at it and then gave something that was understandable by us. And uh, so that, that that that's that's what I that's what I accept. <coughs> <laughs> what, what, what is
1: is there something? Uh, what is our hermeneutics that?
0: Commentary, purports, they are shabda or not? I think that, um, yeah, they're shabda. Shabda Brahman. It's it's a realized soul. I never heard anybody of my god-brothers sit in front of Srila Prabhupada and say, well, I accept the text, but I don't accept your purports. Hmm. you know nobody ever did that Then, yeah then maybe now yeah that may be a possibility but they didn't do that because they know what Prabhupada's reaction was when because there there are some people that did that of course they just left they didn't hang around well, they started their own movement or tried to they thought they understood better I mean we had Mayavadis you know preferred a more body understanding of <laughs> of the, the the Bhagavad Gita and and, and, and so on uh, uh, so uh, yeah I, 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 I will. Uh, to, to me, I mean, this is how I, I, I read them. I, I, Prabhupada's purport is a purport. This is the meaning of this text. He also gives word for word. Uh, and so you can go from the purport, uh, then back into the text, read the text again, read the one before and the one after, and see what the the narration is. Uh, um, It's true that um, we also have, for example, Bhana Swami has translated Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakura's purport. Uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti will say one thing, Prabhupada will say something else, so somehow they're both true. uh, usually Prabhupada's had Vishnath Chakravarti's Thakur, but there's a bunch of commentators, and they all have a different, somewhat slightly different angle of vision. And, you know, so there's a certain amount of you know, uh, Vishnath Chakravarti Thakur is a self-realized soul too. Um, generally, uh, if uh, I, I would accept anybody in disciplic succession from Lord Chaitanya, if that was in conflict with Madva or Ramanuja or something like that, you know, if I had to, had to choose between them, I would I would always uh, go with somebody who's coming in the line of the six Goswamis. That's my own preference. Uh, that that's what I, I would. Uh, uh, but you, you you should read. You know, there's a certain reverence for the. I mean, the whole. Uh, uh, Lord Chaitanya's criticism of Balava Acharya Bhallava Bhatta who became Balava Acharya was that he didn't. He, he thought he was doing better than Sridhar Swami and he said, no, you have to accept the previous Acharyas so, so then how, how you maybe deal with differences among them right? that you need some, maybe need some guidance or things like that They're not always so simple but we start with what Srila Prabhupada is. He's the one that took the trouble to come and get us and give us Sri Bhagavatam. That's really a
1: uh, uh, start there. He hmm? it also, I don't know where I have it from, but you, you, you can ju- jump over the most recent acharya to understand the the previous acharyas, but you have to understand the previous. Through the,
0: yeah, through the, yeah that's right. Yeah. That's There's a disciplic succession for a reason.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. That's also... Yeah, jumping over, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Prabhupada was very, very, very smart. And really Krishna conscious. And uh, people shouldn't forget that. I mean, you know, to do what he did, starting at the age of, you know, coming to the West at, at that age, and do so much in such a short time, is very, very special. Very, you know, I don't... It's, it's hard to find anybody who actually did something like he was able to do. You yeah.
1: When you have the, the implicit faith in both,
0: um, trust plan and spiritual master, then you can understand yes. things. And I think yeah, this implicit faith to me, it says that you, you have to accept the uh, purpose of yeah. the spiritual master. So, well, yeah, I do. I, I believe that, yeah. And I said, if I can I don't understand how it's true. Well, i just have to wait and see. The other thing is, you know, I, now I've been in this movement long enough to have read, you know, uh, a book of Srila Prabhupada in, in my second year, and then in my tenth year, and then in my twentieth year, and each time I read it, I see things I didn't notice before. Because if you get rid of the junk, you know, things become more and more. And then, you know, eventually, you see Krishna directly in the pages. Then you understand what the purport is for, for, for right on. <laughs> when uh, Prabhupada was being interviewed by reporters, one reporter asked him, how do you get the, um, uh, the understanding by which you guide your movement? And Prabhupada said, Krishna tells me. They said, You mean God stands next God Himself tells you? He said, Yes. And then Rameshwara, who was standing next to him, saw these reporters look at him and he said, Well, what he really means, you know, that he's kind of explained it like a, it was a metaphor or something that he gets the interior inspiration that seems to that comes from God. No, Prabhupada said, No. He stopped it. He said Krishna tells me. That's his claim. Anyway, do you want to know what Prabhupada said? That's what he said? Okay, who else? Yeah? How uh, we will be able to affect the modern scientific uh, world after we present the Vedic model of the cosmology. In uh, or, uh, yeah, I uh, yeah, I eventually hope we'll be able to do that. Hmm. I don't know how it will happen or what, but uh, uh, if, if they may take it into account. People, people, uh, you know, we have the the the, the, the really the z- z- reigning myth is the myth of progress. And people have only begun to understand how advanced people were long ago. Every so often they find something, you know, sitting around. What was it that, 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 that uh, they, they, they found a, uh, a kind of astrolabe or something like that? A model of the universe? Uh, no, a calculating machine. That's right, in a ship, and, and it was like a calculator. And it was like they had no idea that that people had such sophisticated machines. It was in some ship in the Aegean Sea, and they saw this like calculator. You know, wow! Well, how did they? People were very, very smart. If you in Plato, the philosopher Plato, Plato in one of his dialogues, his, his protagonist, Socrates, complains about the spread of the use of writing. He said, because writing is spreading, people's memories are getting bad. That's what he said. We think of writing as advancement, they thought of it as a deterioration. We think of that big step forward in civilization, the invention of writing. No, it's only because people's memories were getting bad or caused people's memories to getting bad. I mean, the, the, the ancient Vedic system of uh, education, there were no books. They would recite the learn how to recite it, and learn it by everything by memory. Uh, th- there was a, a an Indian professor who was raised, uh, you know, as a as a Brahmana, and he could recite all the uh, Samhita, of the Rig Veda, syllable by syllable, by memory, forward and then backward. Because sacrifice was a culture of technique, like modern science. If you did the slightest thing wrong, it wouldn't work. So you had to have perfect pronunciation. One person, one of the priesthood of sacrifice had to listen and make sure they didn't make a mistake. You see the stories in the Bhagavad Gita, you make one mistake, you get a demon instead of, you know. So that's how he learned. Look at the Sanskrit alphabet, you know. How does it go? Uh, uh, out the vowels. kaka you start in the throat, cha cha ja na you end up in the here. A perfectly scientific alphabet precisely saying where each sound is made whether the tongue is the difference between uh, uh, you know, ta and da, and so on. Very precise. What's our alphabet in the wet? A, B, C, D. What the hell is that piece of junk?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Here's, that's stupid. Here, uh, uh, e, e, ooh, ooh. We start with the vowels, you know, and go on, and the consonants... Da-da, you know, you have the rows, and it's very completely. So, the, the precise, each sound has, for every sound, there's one sign that corresponds to it, one on one, you know. Like in English, you look at the, the letter A, it can be pronounced so many different ways. Yeah, it's crazy, right? It's not—it's not competent. But these are the people that were less advanced than we are, <laughs> according to our ideas, right? If—if if you think that writing is destroying memory, what about these things? huh? <laughs> these computers and uh, all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: They're refusing to use the GPS because they, they know if they use it, they'll just get stupid. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Many them refuse to use it. Anything else? Yeah. I just said that
0: Shema Bhagavatam is a
1: spotless Purana.
0: I'm sorry?
1: I just said that Shema Bhagavatam is a spotless Purana. Yeah, it's a so Amalum Paranum. Huh?
0: So what is the of other Puranas? Maybe some examples. Yeah, well, I... I, I, uh, I uh, uh, there are other Puranas in the mode of goodness. There are Puranas in the mode of... Or four people in the mode of goodness. Four people in the mode of passion. Four people in the mode of ignorance. So I assume when they say this, Amalam Puranam is actually for people who are transcendent. Uh, and that's what it means it means basically I think for us that if it, there's a conflict with another Purana we will always take the Bhagavatam uh, and mostly I, you know there, there there's well anyway there's, there's the whole literature uh, I don't really know it that much I didn't you know, I didn't study Sanskrit or Hinduism that much, uh, uh, like like people do. But um, when when uh, in 1975, uh, Tamil Krishna brought me to see Srila Prabhupada in Mayapur, and uh, Prabhupada wanted me. Uh, to go into Calcutta and uh, he wanted to have basically a graduate research institute in Mayapur. He wanted to have devotees come there who had undergraduate degrees and uh, uh, study with us in Mayapur. The degree would be PhDB, he said. I asked him, what's the degree we give? He said, PhDB, Doctor of Bhagavad Philosophy. And so I realized he wanted a graduate research institute uh, to be affiliated with the University of Calcutta. I said to Prabhupada, oh, we'll need a big library. Because you have, you know, graduate research, you need a big library. Prabhupada said to me, only our books. And I thought of a shelf this big. So I didn't say anything. And I went and I talked to the, the people in, in, at the University of Calcutta. They were interested. I even had sat in Mayapur and make up a plan for a university building and, and all this uh, stuff met three or four times with the officials at the University of Calcutta. Turned out the Ramakrishna Mission had such an institute, uh, such a ranger with the University of Calcutta, where people would study with them and then the degree would come from the University of Calcutta. They had a big library. And the guys at the University of Calcutta said, oh, you have to have a big library, a research library. So I said, well, I got to go back and talk to Prabhupada. So when I was finished, I went to Prabhupada was in, in Vrindavan, and I met with him. And I told him that, Prabhupada, we have to have a big library. And he said, oh, we can have a big library. He said, all the books from the four Sampradayas. And I thought, wow, there's no such library anywhere. That's a big library, huh? All the books from the Four Sampradayas. So, if you want to say what we're going to account as the real core of text, all the books to study and research, all the books from the Four Sampradayas. And, uh, and then I suggested to Prabhupada that if we were going to collect such a library, uh, might, maybe we could do it using microfilm that that time that was the technology because of course the books would be rare out of print maybe there would be manuscripts that we could send a team of people around various places in India and do microfilms of of their collection they get a copy so they'd be happy to have that and then we would have he said that's a good idea and uh so that was, that was the plan. Uh, of course, then things, well, I couldn't get money from Rameshwar to, to, to start it. And anyway, people, it was difficult. And then, then somebody said, we found another way to get visas. And uh, I didn't know what was going on. No need to have the college. Some some of the leaders in India thought it was a scheme just to get people in Western people into India on student visas. but Prabhupada was serious about it actually, and it's coming to happen. We did we did get uh, later on. I managed to get uh, we managed to get some money from uh, the United States government, actually. Uh, to go around and uh, make microfilms of books in various places, we sent a team that did that, and that's been done. And there's, you know, there's a catalog of those things that we made that initial uh, couple of years worth of work uh, of uh, of uh, books on microfilm books, and now we have a Bhaktivedanta Research Center in Mayapur that started when. I was working on the cosmology project and we got a bunch of books trying to get somebody in Mayapur to give us place to keep our books and, yeah, you can have a place, but I want to be able to look at them and we wanted them to be secure, because you know what happens when books get borrowed and don't get returned. Uh, So Hari Sari said, you know, Mayapur has a a building in Calcutta, belongs to the Mayapur uh, temple. Uh, somebody donated and, and it's not being used properly, maybe we can put the library there. This place called the Bhakti Bhavan. Gita Bhavan, excuse me, the Gita Bhavan. And uh, and so, you know, Hari Harisari Prabhu really knows how to get things done in India. And he got really good shelves and we put our cosmology books. There weren't so many, but then more books started to come. And then this devotee named Pranava. You know him. He's from Sweden. So he was doing a doctoral dissertation uh, on Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur and he was collecting books. And eventually, he ended up with a whole library from, their, from their the from the the, the the Gaudiya the in Calcutta that was in the possession of Sundarananda Vijvanote, uh, originally Bhakti Siddhanta's library. And we have it, because we can take care of it now. You know, we have the right people, the librarians who know how to preserve things. Uh, we scan everything. Uh, and so we're getting a pretty big library now. And so these things are happening. And, uh, uh, and, and so I, I have, uh, you know, that kind of an idea of a research center is, is already there. I mean, Pranava found handwritten material by Bhakti Siddhanta that's a diary that's never been published, uh, for example. And I was interested because, you know, Bhakti, before he became a a spiritual leader, Bhakti Siddhanta in his youth was into astronomy, the astronomical schools. And I'm really curious to find out, you know, how he fit that in with the... (laughs) Puranic, <laughs> the Bhagavatam version of cosmology, because he must have thought about it. Anyway, so we have a lot of research to do. And there's plenty of research, lots of it.
1: Um, just to your question, also, that on just a scholarly level, most scholars will say, you know, the Bhagavatam Purana or Srimad Bhagavatam has very little variation. There aren't like several different versions of it going around, that's that's the
0: case. Yeah, the text text is very stable, you know, when you you do what the scholars call a critical edition of something, you get together all the uh, texts you can find, versions of texts you can find, you know, and you compare them. Like the Mahabharata, has got so many variations. Even the Ramayana has so many. There's a southern version, there's a northern version.
1: There's kind one of where Ravana is the hero of Ramchandran.
0: Yeah, 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 even some of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so a lot of the Puranas, they're, they're, they're all different versions, but the Bhagavatam has very few variations in it. That's, yeah. This is a fact of people who collect very versions. And so if you do a critical edition, You'll you know, you'll put a footnote that say here this is but these are you'll list the variations so you can see all the different ones that you that you find. And so the Bhagavatam is kind of famous for being you know, the the variations are minor. So once in a while Prabhupada would say some text, some versions say this use this word rather than that word. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a fact. Thank you. Anything else? Okay, thank you very much. She Prabhupada.